This podcast is brought to you by Story King Books. Sign up now and get a free copy of my latest ebook, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. The link will be in the show notes. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King Podcast, the show all about fiction, film, and form. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's guest is none other than the alchemist himself, Gajuar Siafu. No, he's not actually the alchemist. Gajuar is a businessman. He owns a store called Healing Nature in Port Jefferson, New York, where he provides healing alkaline herbs from all over the world. You can visit the store and learn how to heal your body naturally with medicinal plants that have been on this earth for thousands of years. But after one conversation with him, you will realize he is a lot more than a store owner. He's a man full of wisdom and insights on many aspects of life, both physical and spiritual. So I wasn't surprised to learn he is a huge fan of The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. I'm a huge fan of that book myself. So without further ado, here is my conversation about the awesomeness of The Alchemist with Gajuar Siafu. Gajuar Siafu, welcome to the Story King podcast. Glad to be here. Awesome to have you. So before we get into our main conversation about The Alchemist, I want to hear your story. So if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, maybe how you even got into healing herbs, whatever you want to share. Right. Well, my name is God Siafu. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, Beverly Stuyvesant. I've been dealing with medicinal herbs or healing herbs the majority of my life, which is part of the culture. We've actually taken it one step further. We only deal exclusively with alkaline herbs. So a lot of people ask me, what is an alkaline herb? An alkaline herb is an herb where the molecular structure hasn't been tampered with in any form. It's an electrical herb. Hmm. And, you know, our logic is this. Use electrical herbs, electrical foods to support an electrical body. And that's how you're going to get maximum benefit from these herbs. What else? My life is pretty boring. Um, so what I do, I do the, the herbs. We, uh, we got a little store, Port Jefferson. Right now, we're located on Main Street, East Main Street. We cater to not only this community, but all communities, because people come from all over to get these healing herbs. The benefit from this for me is when people come in after a couple of weeks and they say, oh, my God, I had so much inflammation, and now I feel much better. Or I was dealing with the after effects of COVID-19, and now I've gotten instant relief from some of these respiratory herbs that you've given me. Or my blood pressure was completely high and now I bring back my doctor's paper and the doctor says, how did you do this? You know what I mean? So that's where we went, hmm. you know, me and my partner, Kim. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a customer. I've been drinking the tea every single night. I've been trying to, I, I like to mix them. So I have like, right. well, like 10 different herbs from you. And I like to, I like to mix a lot of the different ones, the, uh, linden leaves, blue vervain. I like yeah. to mix all that stuff. And it's, yeah. uh, it's good those stuff. Those are two nerve ions right there. Right. Those, those are geared towards your neurological system. So, yeah. So I'm glad you explained alkaline. So alkaline is like, uh, so basically like natural. Is, is that what you mean by alkaline? Like It's either going to be alkaline or it's going to be acidic. Mm. The direct opposite of alkalinity is acidity. So anything where the molecular structure, like I said before, hasn't been tampered with or, or corrupted. It, it's got its chemical infinity. It's, it's the perfect union for whatever substance that is. It hasn't been disrupt, disrupted or tampered with by, by man or by science or by anything. So mm -hmm. it's a complete herb. And that's, that's what we need. When you're dealing with alkaline herbs, of course, you don't have to deal with inflammation. You don't have to deal with mucus buildup. Mm -hmm. Because those things come from acidic herbs. And acidic herbs is something that's generally man-made in the laboratory. They, it's a hybrid. It goes through the process, process of hybridization where they take the molecular structure apart. And in order to bring it back together, you have to use something to bind the two things that are naturally or uh, unnaturally you want to bind them together. So that bond is usually a starch base, which makes it acidic. And it's terrible for the human body. 
I see. Very cool. Yep. So. Do you consider yourself an herbalist? Is that what you would consider? You know what? A, a lot of people say that to me, and I really don't. Okay. You know, the label things are cool, but I'm just a regular person who just observes nature, observes what I'm doing every single day, and observes people who have superior knowledge over me. And I just put it together, you know? I mean, it happens to be part of my culture, which is really rooted in nature. So mm -hmm. herbalist, ah, I'm a little bit more than an herbalist, you know? Right. But uh, to me, that's just, this is just normal, you know? Right. I think it becomes a thing when you're from outside of it. Then it's like, wow, an herbalist, a healer, or this or that. <laughs> I'm not those things. I'm just a regular person just making conscious observations. That's it. And anybody could do it. You know, right. If you're willing to commit yourself and, and learning, anybody can do this. You know, it's your way of life. It's my, it's part of my culture. Yeah, which is my way of life. Right. So yeah, but anybody can do this. To be honest with you, you know, you just have to know what, where's the alkaline herbs? How do you obtain them? How do I harvest them? And you know, you have to get. Of course, you have to put in the work. Mm -hmm. But once you put in the work, again, anybody can do this. You know, I don't want people to think that I'm just like, oh, and, you know, the, the great odds and, you know, and I'm the only one in control. No, anybody can do this if you're willing to put in the work. And even though it's part of my culture, I'm still it's still a lot of hard work. And I put it in. I put in the work all the time, constantly studying, constantly checking back with the elders, constantly making th sure things are correct, constantly looking at people's progress. You know, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, we're just sort of starting out with it. So uh, you're part of that process for us, just starting out with those herbs. So now I had you on the show because we started talking about The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. And, you know, I don't think Big Fan really cuts it for you. you <laughs> you're, almost, you're almost a disciple of The Alchemist. That's funny. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think there's a tribe of people, maybe... Uh, a nation of people that follow the alchemist. I don't think I'm not that that bad because people really follow it like word for word and they're doing all these analysis and I mean I know it word for word. You know what I mean? But and I do practically live by it. But I mean I don't think I'm obsessed with it. I could be obsessed with it. I don't know. But I don't think I am, but there's a possibility. So right. <laughs> How did you first come across the book? How long ago and stuff? Uh, it was many, many years ago, probably 15 years ago or so. And I think I was on MySpace or something like that. Mm. And um, or maybe even YouTube. Will Smith came across the screen and he was saying, um, there's this book that changed his life. And you got to read this book and this book. The majority of the people who are in the know read, have read this book. And you got to get this book called The Alchemist. And I'm not really a big reader, I'll be honest with you. Like, when I'm called to read something, I'll read it. Other than that, I really don't have the time to sit around and, and, and read books all day to get, mm -hmm. you know, information from. But I said, you know what? Let me give it a shot. Let me look at it. Bought the book. I read the preface. And I started reading and reading. And then I noticed that the first day I read a few pages, put it down. The next time I went back to the book, which is probably a couple of days later, you know, I always start from the beginning mm -hmm. and then catch myself up. And then I said, wow, this is really something. Especially, I think that I was hooked when, when the lake was speaking. You know, in the beginning, mm -hmm. um, that little preface they had there, uh, when the lake was speaking back to the boy who had lost his life, who's kneeling by the side of the lake. What, is that when they were talking about the, the Greek myth in the beginning? Right. right. And I think the lake said, hey, listen, you know, somewhere along the lines, you know, somebody asked, well, what did you feel about the boy? Was you sorrow sorrowful because the boy drowned while looking in the lake at his own reflection? Mm -hmm. And the lake responded with, I never really contemplated his death. I was looking at my, at my own beauty in his eyes. And I was like, oh, that's incredible <laughs> and that really prompted me 
to go on because I'm pretty, I'm cerebral. So when I see things, when I hear things like that, I get a vision right away. Mm. And I thought that was brilliant writing. So it really uh, made me want to go further with it. And so as I, the further I got into The Alchemist, I said, oh my God, this is something that I've never heard before. I've never, certainly never seen this in the movies. And uh, I have to continue. And that's what I did. And I read it one time. I remember the first time I read it. Whew. I remember the first time I read it, I started crying at the end, like just mm. hysterically, just crying, like, oh my God. No. I don't want to give away the end because right. those who are listening, you know, you may not, you know, you may have not read it. So I, I don't want to spoil it for you, but. I just, I remember crying like, oh my God, how could this be? How did they take me on this journey? Which seemed like they took me on a 20 year journey and it was just a damn book. <laughs> it was so vivid and it was so real. And then I said, you know what? I have to read it again. And I read it again, like back to back. And then I kept reading the book over and over and over again. And then I noticed something funny after probably the 10th time reading it. I said, listen, you know what? I could pinpoint things in real life that are reflective from the alchemist. Mm. And I began talking to people who were going through, you know, trial and tribulation in their lives. And then I, I, I noticed myself bringing out quotes from the alchemist. It wasn't just, yeah, they were quotes, but I gave a spin on the quotes as my interpretation of the quote. And people would say, wow, that's pretty deep. And they would get benefit from it. just from a quote, you know, or my understanding of the quote. And then I started seeing that a lot. It kept coming back. So I just started buying the book for people. Some people really didn't have money, but they were going through a very difficult time in life. I would just say, hey, go to Barnes and Nobles. When you get there, get the book. And here's my credit card number. Now, these are total strangers. Wow. <laughs> you know, some of the people I met in a parking lot at ShopRite or Stop and Shop. You know what I mean? Some people, you know, obviously were friends, but the majority of people I've never met in my life. And I'm like, here's my credit card, you know? Or once that phase ran its course, I started buying like 20, 30 copies of the book and just passing them out to my friends. And then I would go to strangers and just pass out the book. Yeah, I think that qualifies me as being a little obsessive about that. <laughs> at least at the time. Yeah, I mean, th that's what I was going to ask you, but you already addressed it because I, I remember you telling me that you purchased copies of the book to hand out to people. So, I mean, was it just that it helped you so much that you kind of wanted to replicate that for other people if you could? Well, I don't want to say that it helped mm -hmm. because it really didn't help initially. It was just a great story. It was just really a great story. And as I started moving on in life, I started realizing I was faced with decisions. And the decisions were like, not really life or death, but like really big decisions. And I was stuck. I remember one time I was stuck at a crossroad where I had to make a really big decision. And I couldn't make the decision. Hmm. So I remember going back to the alchemist and saying, you know, rereading a certain, you know, few chapters, which gave me the information to make that decision, because the decision that I had to make was, do I follow the path that I'm on, or do I try something new? And I decided to maintain and follow my personal, what they call personal legend. Because there's been so many times once, you know, you hear that phrase over and over again in The Alchemist, so many times I wanted to deviate from what they call your personal legend mm -hmm. and so many different obstacles, so many different reasons to say, hey, go this way. It's easy. And I would automatically be pulled back to say, you know what, stay the course. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a difficult course that I'm on, but you know what, stay the course. And that's what I did, you know, the whole time. And I would have never saw any of this had I not stayed the course. And what do you think personal legend means? What does Paulo Coelho mean by personal legend? 
my understanding of the word personal legend or the phrase personal legend is that whatever your 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 deepest desire is for your own life, whatever you really want for your life, no matter what it is, that would be your personal legend. Some people want riches. Some people want love. Some people want just happiness. Some people want perfect health. Some people just want to be noticed, fame, you know, mm-hmm. many different scenarios, many different things. I think whatever it is that you truly want from your life, and there's always that one thing. There's always this, that there may be a lot of things that you, that you want, but there's, it all synthesized down to that one thing that you really, really want in life or mm-hmm. out of life. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter how many things you have on your heart. And that's what I think it is. Just following your dream, your personal legend, your calling, whatever that may be, and not being distracted or taking off that path. And do you think that could ever be like a corrupted thing? Like you said, some people really want riches, for example. Is there is there any such thing as a personal legend that, that maybe you you shouldn't be pursuing so hard? Well, who's to say that, right? Everybody has their own mind. Everybody has their own desires and dreams and passions, right? Mm -hmm. Who's to say that the person that says, hey, I want riches is wrong. That's if that's what he wants. That's his that's his personal legend. That's what he or she wants. You know, in the book, Santiago wanted what? His personal legend was what? Uh, The treasure, right? The. uh, to travel. He wanted to travel in the beginning, right? And uh, and he was on route to uh, find his, his treasure. He wanted to travel initially. Right. But once he found out that, hey, there's a treasure waiting for you. You didn't hear so much about travel throughout the, throughout the book. It was mm-hmm. this treasure, this treasure, the pyramids. Got to get to the pyramids. So initially travel was the goal to travel, you know, he wanted to be a, a shepherd so that he could, you know, go all over the place. But once he found out that, hey, you know, there's, there's a silver lining at the end of this rainbow. There's, there's a couple of dollars waiting for you. Then it was like, with the riches, I can do this. With the treasure, I can do this and do this. So, and, and he followed that personal legend to the end, and he got to experience and see so much more than just treasure. So much more that than what he almost gave his life for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And which I, I believe really uh, made him a better person. So you start off with one focus. The guy that says, hey, I just want a million dollars. I want $10 million. I want $20 million. Or I want fame. Or I want fortune. I want all the women in the world. Whatever. That could be your goal. But when, you fo- when you're really following your personal legend, the world unravels so much more. Because it's never just a straight route. It's almost like me. Look, I'm looking at these trees that's in the back of my store. And these twigs go in different directions. Some are pointing back. Some are pointing down. Some There's many different paths to take. You know what I mean? That's what I get when I look at these trees. And it's the same thing. You know, your personal legend is going to take you many different places. But if you stay on it then you'll get what you want, but you're going to get a little bit more than just what you want as well. I believe that. Yeah, I think you you said it good when you said, usually we all have that one thing that we really want, but it manifests in a lot of different pursuits. But it's all about really that one thing. And I think it's true. Like I can say all the way from when I was a child, I've really been focused on the one thing, but it's manifested in all sorts of different directions. So, and that's kind of like what you're talking about, even with Santiago, you know, he's going on this one thing, but he has a lot of different experiences along the way. You know, at one point, the woman with the raven hair Mm -hmm. was a focal point. And then it was women in general, you know? The travel was the underlying thing. And then the treasure became the focus. But now women come into the into the mix. You know what I'm saying? The comfort of, of having a female next to you. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and having and raising a family. That crept into the book as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just so many different things. But his goal could have ended so much sooner 
had he said, hey, listen, you know what? I can't do this or I don't want to do this. He wouldn't have experienced any of this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's, it's comparative to our lives. If somebody were to tell me that I'd be here right now, I wouldn't believe you. If somebody were to tell me 10 years from now I'd be doing this, I wouldn't believe you. Mm-hmm. That's very true. You know, and you don't know until you, until you experience that. And I realized that I was going in so many different directions at one point in my life, right? And where I'm at now was just an underlying thought possible at the time. It was just, yeah, you know, but little did I know it was more significant than I would have ever thought. Now I look back at my life and I'm like, wow, health and wellness really, ever since I can recall, was a big deal to me. As you move through life, you know, things become you know, a little clouded, you know, distractions happen here and there. But at the end of the day, what I'm doing now has always been where I wanted to be. You know, I tell people this. It's funny. People ask me, well, how do you know what you're supposed to be doing in life? And what I often tell people is this. Find out that one thing that you really, really love to do. And like we said before, you can have a million things. But what's that one thing that you really, really desire in your heart of hearts, right? And then I say, ask yourself, would you do it for free? That's what you should be doing in life. That's it. Good advice, yeah. (laughs) That's what you should be doing in life. That's it. Whatever that one thing is, and then if the thing's got to line up, would you do it for free? Yeah, I love it so much that you're damn right. I'll do it for free. That's what your personal legend is. Hmm. For me, just to let you in on a little thing, um, mm-hmm. like I talk shit. <laughs> I talk, <laughs> I talk that talk. I've always talked that talk. This is what I do for, for a living. Not only here, but for the last 20 something years, I was involved in the entertainment business. And that means that I was on stages in front of thousands of people every week. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm a pretty big deal. You know what I mean? <laughs> but now, of course, I'm, you know, I'm away from the spotlight and all that. But that's my that's my thing. I, I, I communicate with people. I love interaction with people. And that's what I would be doing for free. You know what I mean? Right. And that's exactly what I'm doing along with now with the health and wellness as well. But it's like. The same thing being on stage because I get to communicate with people on a personal level and help them. The same thing I was doing in in entertainment business, but it was on a more grandiose scale. I'm having thousands of people every Tuesday night in my face. You know what I mean? You know, so that's what I was going to ask. So you you relate what you do now communicating with people to the entertainment industry, even though it was kind of like removed. There was no relationship, but it was just you and, and a crowd you you kind of see the same thing that you're doing now, like all the same thing. Really? You know, it's funny because when I was probably six years old, my mother said to me, she said to me, she told me two things that I'll never forget. She said, listen, you gotta keep wheels. You gotta keep a car. Six years old. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You know, but she told me, you got to keep, you got to keep a car. And then she said to me, you're fucking funny. <laughs> you're really fucking funny. This is six years old. She said, in order for you to be this funny, you have to be extremely intelligent. And I didn't know what the hell that meant. You know, I would entertain the family, but I know that my brand of comedy or my thoughts were rooted deep to where the elders and older people would be like, damn, where did that come from? And they were always mesmerized. Mm. So I learned through that the art of communication. And I've always stayed on that path, being able to communicate with people, different people, all walks of life, all different, you know, backgrounds. Is that what you were doing comedy, but in the entertainment? No. Not at all, oh. you know, but I mean, I would, I'd be standing on the stage. And of course, I like to believe that I'm a well-rounded person. Sometimes comedy would seep in and it would express itself while I'm in front of all these people. 
sometimes serious social matters would creep in and I would present that to the world. But no matter what it was, it was always communication and it was always effective. Mm. And it wasn't nothing contrived. People were People just, I, and I never really know what I was going to, I'm, I'm not one for like a role. You can't hand me a script and say, hey, read this. And then we'll record you, but that's that. I don't, it doesn't work for me like that. For What works for me is press play, and then I say whatever I say. That's it. And it usually worked. It, well, you know, in that life, it worked perfect. You know what I mean? I helped a lot of people in that life, and I did a lot of great things. So, but it, it all was kind of like training for this. Hmm. If you will, so obviously this is a smaller, small, smaller audience, right? Um, but it's more serious because when people come to you saying, "Look, I have diabetes," or my cousin is in stage two cancer, what mm-hmm. can you do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're trusting you to help. That's a big deal, right? Like smaller stage, but more at stake. Right, more at stake, definitely. And sometimes it is overwhelming. Sometimes it is overstimulating. Like a couple of years ago, somebody came to me and they said, listen, my, my uncle or my husband is stage four liver cancer. Wow. Can you do Reiki? I'm a Reiki practitioner as well. They explained to me that, that they didn't have much money. So I would dedicate my time for weeks to giving uh, that person Reiki. Hmm. Little did I know there were things going on in the background like Consumptions of certain foods were still going on. The stress level in the house was still at an all-time high. And I said, all these things are conducive for failure. You know, the person has to be as relaxed as possible, and they have to really begin to take in different type of nutrients. And it was still drinking, smoking, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, he passed. Mm-hmm. And it was terrible. It was very difficult for me. Because all this stuff came out at the end, and I'm like, well, why am I here then? Why am I here watching this man perish? And you guys are hoping that I could help him with Reiki, but behind, when I leave, there's still cigarettes being smoked, and there's still alcohol consumed, and there's so, so much stress in the house. It's like no, no change in the life, right? Right. That, that was really a difficult, difficult one. So, Very interesting. Well, let's get into some specifics about the alchemist and for the listener who hasn't read the book maybe you want to turn it off and come back to the interview because <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to give too much away but just in case we give uh too much away we'll uh we'll give that disclaimer for the listener so who are some of your favorite characters in the book well i'm going to skirt around so that i don't give away too much information okay my favorite characters in the book and why well, I think for me, I, I like the uh, the old king. There's a character in the book called the old king. He was the first character that Santiago came in contact with. Well, actually, the second character that he came in contact with. And um, I like the old king's character because it was straight up. Listen, I have a message for you. But you, it's not going to be easy. And if you can stay the course, you're going to benefit tremendously. Mm-hmm. And he was very mysterious. I mean, there's a point when I thought the old king, and I still believe this, the old king and the alchemist are one and the same. Mm-hmm. I know it's crazy, but, you know, I believe all of those characters are one and the same. They're all the alchemists. Including Satya. Wow. <laughs> How about that, right? <laughs> That's deep. Because there was something in the book, I can't recall now, but there was something in the book that was said that led me to believe that Santiago is the alpha. But this was his journey. This is how he started off. But he is the old king. He is the alpha. He is all these different characters. Well, there's a quote that says, all things are one thing. Something like all that. All things are one. Okay. And yeah. he said, make no mistake about it. All things are one. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, sure. Santiago is the alchemist. Santiago is the British guy. Santiago is the old king. 
Santiago is the old lady. Santiago is, you know, all of these different characters. But I like the old king because the old king, he was mystical, but he was he was very a matter of fact. But he also said, you know, I show up when it's when all else has failed, when you're just about ready to give up on your personal legend, I appear. And how many times did Santiago want to give up on his personal legend and then something appeared, right? Mm -hmm. So he also would remark at times that, hey, he kind of, I feel like the old king is around me now whenever that something would appear, if you mm -hmm. remember the book. And um, I believe that the old king would manifest himself in just many different situations, many different people, if you ask me. That's interesting. I have to, we're going through the audible book right now, but now I have to, uh, I have to listen to it with that new insight just to, cause you might be onto something with that. <laughs> so, I mean, the way it's written, it's, it's nothing short of brilliance. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I still see this like a little type of who would think this, who would write this? Because there's a lot of things that most people are not even aware of in that book. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of things that we, once you knew, you'll say, oh, wow, I didn't even know that was one of the things, you know? I also like, I don't know, it's so weird. Man. There's just so many different characters. I, I, I definitely love The Alchemist because The Alchemist just brings so much information and treasure. And, and these men, and actually, when I examine it all, these men and women, every character in this book was a dominant character. Mm -hmm. There was no, well, maybe it could be like this, or maybe I feel like, no, every person knew. That's what I'm trying to say. There was a consistency there in every character where it was like, it was either this or it was that. There was no, hey, well, you know what? You, you know, you have the right to make up your own mind. No, it was like this or that. Even down to the crystal merchant, there was a definitive point in every single character. One of the things that I said that I really liked when the alchemist said he was approached by the uh, the guards in the desert. I won't get too deep into this, but and the first time the guards let them pass. The first set of times when they met a group of I'm trying. You see, I'm trying to skirt around the book so not to give away the plot. But we already warned the audience, so it's okay. <laughs> okay. The first group of uh soldiers let let him pass no problem and santiago was so amazed he said look at that they they just let you pass just like that but the second one the second group of soldiers that they came in came into mm -hmm. even the old king was saying hey this this guy's not joking i can see the death in his eyes you know what i mean and santiago roundabout way was saying well what are you talking about and he said listen you could tell the, the strength of a man's soul from their eyes. And looking in the horizon, they could see this one soldier, and they, all they could see the strength of his soul. That soldier was not going for anything. He was going to play by the book. And so I like that phrase. And I like the fact that they pointed that out, that you could see the strength of a man's soul through his eyes. Yeah. You know, and of course you've heard that before, you know, so it really makes no no big deal for most people, but just to see it under those circumstances was a big deal for me. Hey everybody, I just wanted to take the time to let you know about my latest book. It's called Massimo's Mirror and Other Stories. It's my first collection of short stories. The book uses fantasy, science fiction, and fairy tales to create a world where a magical array of protagonists conquer their fears, battle forces of evil, and step up to meet their potential. Suitable for the secular and religious alike, these stories are full of symbolism and quirky characters, including aliens, robots, angels, demons, superheroes, 
gods, animals, giants, monsters, and dragons, and just the right length to hold the attention of children and adults alike, all 50 stories are crafted to entertain and make us see behind the veil of reality and perhaps teach something along the way. The ebook and paperback editions are available on Amazon. You can purchase an autographed copy on my website, storykingbooks.com. Also, if you sign up on Story King Books with your email, you'll get a free copy of my latest PDF resource, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. And now back to today's episode. Now you mentioned the crystal merchant. What I, what I found interesting about him too is that he, he never followed the dream. He said he'd rather keep dreaming then accomplish the dream. And how many people are like that in real life? And I think it's so, so fascinating. He just happened to know who he was, <laughs> you know, right. as a person. So, yeah. And I think at, at, with that and so many other times, the book was giving you options. It was more or less giving you a way out. Well, you can turn off this exit right now because this guy is very professional and he's saying, Hey, I never really wanted to follow my dreams because I was afraid of what I might discover at the end of it. I'm satisfied with this. So the book was saying, okay, Santiago has a way. He can take this exit right now and just go back to where he started. And that's going to be that. So many different times. Mm -hmm. But again, he said, you know what? I'm going to keep going. All of these different misfortunes had happened up, up to that point. And he said, hey, I'm still going to keep pressing on. You know, and it was a point even when I'm reading it for the first couple of times, I'm like, yo, what are you doing? Go the fuck home. Yeah. <laughs> like, yo, you know what I mean? Right. I'm like, just forget about it. It's not working out for you. Initially, so it's not working out for you. It's too much. Get out of there. Right. But he, he stayed the course. And how many of us would have done that? Even when he approached the thieves, the robbers, when they beat him to death. Was clinging to life. Remember what the guy said? Oh, you had to remember when he finally got to the pyramids and he's digging for the treasure and the robbers approached him and said, what are you doing there? And he said, um, I'm looking for treasure. And then he, they found the gold that he had and they beat him looking for more gold and beat him, beat him, beat him, beat him. The last thing that the guy said, one of the robbers said, hey, You'll live. They left him there for dead. He said, you're going to live. But for you to come all the way over here looking for a treasure, that's as stupid as the dream that I had saying that there was treasure where he came from. Right. <laughs> where he just came from. Right. That's where his treasure was. But that's another case in point where the guy had a similar dream. And he refused to follow his personal legend. He had the same exact dream, but on a, on a different side. The treasure was where he started. He had to go through all these different changes just to find a treasure. But this guy had the same dream. And he said, I'm going for this. How stupid do I look to follow a dream to telling me to go to Spain from Andalusia, you know, right. or wherever they were, from these pyramids. So he said, I'm not doing that. It's dumb. But he could have had, the, if had he followed this personal legend, he could have had the treasure. All roads led to that to perfect the trick. Mm -hmm. Did you get that at the end? Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, and that's a classic story structure too, where, you know, even if you look at every major story, it always starts with the character. They go on the journey and they always end up where they started, but they're different. They either come back with the treasure, the elixir to life, some type of power or whatever, but it's always, they have to go through the journey before, before where they started has any meaning to it, you know? I, you know, and I've never seen that. I, I thought that that was really creative on how it was done. i never seen a movie like that. It was awesome how he did it, absolutely. Right, and, and then when we look at this, like, let's look at Paulo Coelho. He had a really rough background. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And he spent time in and out of institutions, mental institutions, spent a much time, you know, away from his family in, in is what they call radical groups. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And when he wrote that, he was on a, a journey, a hiking expedition, a journey 
where a lot of people go to kind of shed some of their problems in life. And he wrote that book in two weeks. That's crazy. Two weeks. And he's had other books prior to that that, you know, have really failed. Two weeks. So he was going through his own hell, looking for his own personal legend. And I could see a lot of Paulo Coelho in the book. And he discovered it where? He discovered his personal legend in something that had always been around as well, which is the damn book. Incredible to me. No, it is. And speaking of other characters, the Englishman I thought was interesting too. You know how he wants to be an alchemist, but he's so obsessed with studying books that he's carrying all these books with him on the desert and everything in the desert. And I thought that was like another type of person that you'll find in real life too, that they're kind of obsessed with it, but almost like trying to do it by learning about it rather than just doing. Right. Exactly. And remember, if you follow the narrative in the book, the narrator said, he's going to be an alchemist. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, he's going to become an alchemist. But he's just taking a, he's taking a very, very long way. Because, like I tell people in this day and time, you can't read your way through this thing called life. You can't namaste your way through this thing called life. You can't hold hands and everybody kumbaya your way through this. You got to experience this motherfucker. You got to live. Mm-hmm. And in a day and time where everybody's afraid to live, everything has been stifled for most people. Most people are afraid to move forward and they're not living. You know, I have a sign in the store that says, life is good. Phrase I came up with a couple of years ago. Life is good when you're living it. You hear, you know, everybody's heard life is good. But life is good when you're living it. Life is not so good when you're not living it. Because if you're not living life, you're doing what? You're dying. Right. <laughs> or you're waiting to die. So I tell everybody, people that come in the shop, people that I meet, passing, family members, live motherfucking life. Live life. Live. Despite what's happening right now in, in this day and time, you got to live. Because if you're not living, you're dying. So I take the chance. Me, myself, I take the chances. Me, I roll the dice and I live life. You see me any given Saturday at a water park and I post the pictures on Instagram. I'm living life. I'm laughing. I'm happy. I'm talking shit, just having fun. I'm living life. You know, you find me in a strawberry bush. I'm, you know, picking wild strawberries. I'm living life. You find me in the middle of the hood, just glad to be there. I'm living life no matter what it is. I refuse to let what's happening in this day and time derail me from living life. And I say that for everybody. Got to be on the journey. <laughs> Got it. Life is a journey, right? And when you check out, you check out. I just found out right before you called me, a good friend of mine passed. Oh, sorry to hear that. Like seconds before you called me, I just found out. And I'm sad, but I do remember this guy was living life. He, he was living life. Young man, 30, 30 something years old. Wow. He was living life. He was on pursuit to his personal legend. He died in a space where he was doing what he wanted to do in life. So for that, I'm not too sad at all. You know? Wow. Anyway, my battery's at 15%. All so right. we gotta talk back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's see. I wanted to get your opinion on this one thing. My One thing that bothered my wife and I, but maybe we're just not seeing it, is how the love interests switched up. If you remember, like he he's obsessed with the merchant's daughter in the beginning of the book. Then he meets Fatima later on in the desert. And then it's all about Fatima. And you never hear about the merchant's daughter again. What do you make of that? Right. All right. So I've never been asked that question. Before. <laughs> so I'm just kind of freestyling it. Sure. But yeah. You did see the uh, obsession with the girl with the raven hair or the merchant's daughter. Mm -hmm. um, but the way I looked at that was it was just the female touch. It was just a female camaraderie. Mm. Remember, he's a young man. He's out. He's on his own. He wants to be a shepherd. He had the desire to have a woman in his company. And at that time, it, was, it would have been anyone. 
But the woman that he knew about was that he remembered was the girl with the raven hair, the merchant's daughter, right? So once that passed and he came in contact with Fatima, it was a different energy. See, the girl with the raven hair was a fleeting moment. Like, I, I have these sheep. You know, I want to get a glimpse of you. I want to dazzle you with my vernacular, how I talk, how I do things as a shepherd. I want to do that. But that was pretty much the conversation with the girl with the raven hair, or, you know, the shepherd, the, the guy's daughter. But with Fatima, it was a genuine connection. I see. You know what I mean? It was not only a genuine, it was more than a conversation. They didn't even, they had a conversation and then they had a little bit of a conversation and then they spoke. Uh, he was hoping for another conversation after a year. Mm. You know what I mean? So he met her initially. And every time he saw her, it was just a little bit of conversation. And then there would be another year or so, whatever, until he saw her again. He was hoping for that. So how much conversation can you have with that much exposure to somebody? Mm -hmm. Fatima, right away, once they got past the hurdle of him being able to talk to the women, it was a lot of conversation. At night, they would meet at the watering hole or, and they would converse. Uh, there was a touch, you know, he touched the hand, you know, it was even a kiss at one point, you know, saying on a cheek. So there's a lot more interaction with that. So they set us up lovely because they said here he wanted the female essence, like most men do. But what he ended up finding was really true love. I see. That was just a, a stepping stone to finding true love. So he got the treasure right, but he also wanted true love. And the woman was just another step towards what he really was going towards, which was Fatima. And that's really what, what he wanted. Awesome. So that's my take on it. Right. No, that makes sense. Like, so it's almost like the the female camaraderie in general to specific with Fatima. Right. Well, that was would have been his. I don't want to say his first exposure to a female because he had mentioned other women, but he was looking forward to that. Right. With that meeting, which was a brief meeting, he waited all day long to talk to her for a few minutes. You know what I mean? While he was shearing the sheep. But what he really wanted, if you look past that, he had the female camaraderie was there. We all need it. But he really was looking for true love. Mm -hmm. He wasn't looking to hook up with Fatima. And that's, no, he really wanted love. And that's exactly what he wanted. Remember, every feeling, every thought originates in the soul of the world. That's one of the constant themes that the book was saying. Mm -hmm. And that, also, that feeling, that passion, that desire also originated within the soul of the world. And he followed it out because as soon as he got home, he could hear, remember, he could hear or smell her, her perfume or whatever on the, on the wind, on the Levanta. Mm -hmm. From thousands of miles. And you can only, you're left to, to assume that they eventually, you know, got married. Right. And you know, he sent for her because he had all the money. He mm -hmm. had the respect, so, you know, eventually they got together. But they didn't say that in the book. But he said he was coming. Right. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. This is another line that's constantly said throughout the book. Do you believe the universe does, in fact, conspire to help those pursuing their personal legend? All right. So, you're asking me that, and I'm going to answer that. But ask yourself that. Look at your own life. Look at what you really want. Then say, well, do you always get what you want? What you really, really want? Did the universe conspire to make this podcast happen? Did the universe conspire to make your relationship happen? And you have four beautiful kids. Did the universe come together and everything come together and push in the direction of what you wanted thus far? What you really wanted? And the answer has to be yes. If this is good or bad. Whatever you really wanted is going to show up in your life, hmm. which leads me to, you know, one of the things I often tell people is, and this is going to go hand in hand with, with what you just said. I tell people how you feel shows up in your life as an experience. How you feel must and will always show up in your life as an experience. Well, that's just the universe at play. That's just your heart, heart-based emotions having a conversation with the world that you live in or the universe. It's the same difference. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and whatever, however you're feeling at that heart-based emotion must show up in your life as an experience. And I didn't say what you're thinking about. You have a trillion thoughts a day. They don't manifest into something real. Mm-hmm. What I said was, how do you really feel? What's your belief systems? Where's your passion, your desires lie? What's your heart-based emotion? And that's what this is all about with the alchemist. Following what's truly in your heart. Hmm. Your heart-based emotion. What do you live for? What do you really desire? Right here. Because it's a conversation in real life. Forget about the book for a minute. In real life, it's a conversation. Every moment of our lives is a conversation. The question becomes, well, what are you saying in this conversation? We talk about finances. Do you say, oh, man, never have any money. Or, man, I'm always broken. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. And shit, we can't pay these bills. That's a conversation. That's a creation. So because you feel like that, that has to show up in your life as an experience. Hmm. See, I can look at somebody or come in contact with somebody and I can know exactly where they're at in life just by looking at the, the circumstances in their day-to-day. Whether they're happy in their relationship, whether they're struggling financially, whether they're just happy or at peace in general. I can look at that just by looking at the, the backdrop, what's really, what's really going on, or the things that come out of your mouth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did that answer your question? I mean, that's the way I see it. Yeah. And it's not only the way I see it. I practice those things. And I know it to be true. Yeah, I know. I, I first heard it from from Will Smith, you know, and I remember when when I first heard it, because as you as you already know, he was very big on this book. And he would talk about that and he would talk about the universe conspires. And I remember when I first heard it. You know, my spirit kind of rebelled against the sentiment, and I'm I'm just kind of like I don't know if that's true. You know what I mean? So I just been playing around with the idea since I heard it for what, ten years ago, or whatever. You know, it was a long time ago that he said that, and then I read the well, book. Just look at it. Look at again. Look at your own life, with good or bad. Whatever you wanted originated in the soul of the world, or originated in your heart. And the universe and the world conspired to make that show up in your life as a reality. This is what you wanted. Whether you agree with it or not. Right. This is what you really want. Whatever, whatever space you're in right now, again, whether it's good or bad, this is what you want. Interesting. <laughs> this is what you asked for. See, this thing called the universe, this thing called, you know, God or religion, whatever, mm-hmm. it's really just a mirror. Above you, in you, on the side of you, underneath you, it's a huge mirror that just reflects back to you how you feel. You can't escape the mirrors. How do you feel it's going to show up in your life as an experience every single time? Hmm. What your desires are are going to show up in your life or your lack of desire is going to show up in your life every single time. And once you realize that, it's liberating because it really puts you in a seat of power, puts you in a position of power. I like to say that before I got this information, I was sitting along, sitting alongside of the person flying the plane, mm-hmm. co-pilot, right? But once I got this information on my life, I began to fly my own plane. I'm in charge here. If this plane goes down, guess what? I did it. If this plane reaches its destination, guess what? I did that as well. So there's no more hope. There's no more like somebody else did it. There's no more scapegoats. It's Mm me. Right. You know, and then that goes back to that phrase that we've all heard. Life is what you make it. You're goddamn right. (laughs) But how do you make it? Take it one step further. Life is, is a manifestation of how we're feeling. Yeah. So yeah, I hope that answered your question. You know. Absolutely. All right. Let's do. Uh, let's do two more. Let's take one thing. What's the most powerful? There's a lot, but let's take. What's the most powerful symbol in the book? So there's a lot of symbolism in the book, but what's? What would you say is your your favorite symbolism in the book? If you could just kind of boil it down to one thing, what what did you like about that? It's a big question, I know, but 
lot to choose from. Yeah, there's a lot to choose from, and there's a lot on my mind. But the one, there's one thing that comes to mind when the alchemist told Santiago to go into the desert and find light. Hmm. In order for this to happen, this is what was said in the book. You know, my translation. In order for this to really go down. And I'm me help you find your personal legend and get you to the pyramids. You have to first be able to find light. This is a test. You have to find light in a place that's lifeless, hospitable, not hospitable, it's terrible, the desert, inhospitable. And that's what he had to do. Jump on the horse, and he had to find light. And he found the snake in a hole, which represented light. Right? And he told the alchemist, he said, listen, there's life over there. Right in there, there's life there. And the alchemist took his hand and put it in the snake hole and pulled out the snake. Listen, there would be no alchemist if that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. There would be no reason to go on in the book if that didn't happen. Because had he failed at producing, finding life where there is no life, the alchemist would have said, listen, you know what? You're not the one. You're not Neo. You're not the one who's supposed to be here. The story's over. You know? But he was able to find life in the desert. That was big. And then when he pulled the snake out of the hole, and they drew a circle, and the snake didn't leave the circle. Hmm. I don't understand the understanding behind that, but that, for me, was like, whoa. This is a snake. There's something there, yeah. It's almost like you're kind of controlling where it, you have some type of control of where where it can go that snake you know that that's right yeah and the fact that it's a circle a circle is what 360 degrees no beginning no ending you put this live thing in a circle and it didn't leave it's amazing to me Maybe I'm just getting too deep with that one, but no, 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 it is deep. I have to, I want to reread, I want to reread that scene too. So, might I, I always liked the whole turning himself into the wind, and and I always felt that was kind of we were reading it yesterday, and, and how it's kind of foreshadowed by Fatima, who said she wants her man to be able to wander as free as the wind that shapes the dune, and that was kind of like foreshadowing what? what he does later, how he turns what? himself into the wind itself, you know. So it's, Really wild stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. That was amazing. And I haven't even dealt with that yet. All these years that I've been dealing with this book, all these years I've been dealing with these symbols in the book, I haven't even dealt with that single symbol. And that's the basic of basic symbols in this book. Everybody deals with that. I haven't even dealt with it yet. You know what I mean? Tried to break it down, try to get an understanding from it. I just know it's amazing and you know, when the time is right, I'll, I'll enter that that space. But right now, I, I just sit back and say, wow, what did that really mean? Right. What did it mean for you when he turned himself into the wind? Man, I don't know. You know, like the wind is represents so much, you know, it represents freedom. It, re it represents it blows in all directions. You don't know where it's coming from. It represents, you know, so much that he and he was able to just turn himself into that and the fact that in the beginning all he wanted to do was travel you know and he wanted right. to see other places and the wind goes everywhere you know and it's kind of like he turned himself into almost the epitome of what he always wanted you know so right. i don't know so that that's i'd have to like really study that to uh <laughs> to, to break it down i just know that we were talking we were talking about fatima and how she's like oh i want my man to be able to wander as free as the wind, you know, and then later right. on, he actually turned himself into the wind. He blows a right. kick on the wind to her at the end when, uh, right. right. Wow. Home. And it's, uh, so the wind is a constant theme in the book. Right. You know? And remember with the wind, he had to ask for permission. Remember that whole trial and tribulation he went through to even be able to, to, Turn himself into the wind. He had to ask the sand. He had to ask the sun. He had to ask, you know, all these different other uh, supporting factors before he could even do it because none of them knew how to do it. And then ultimately, he asked the right questions, the right 
situation, and he was able to turn himself into the win. Right. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it could it could leave somebody crazy. It right. could really leave somebody <laughs> crazy. Well, I think we gave a lot of information for people who have not been uh, have not read the book yet so that to be inspired to read it. And if they have read it, to reread the book, because there's a lot there that you're not just going to get on a first initial read. You got to really go back and, and you'll pick up all these little things and a lot more than what we discussed today. I have a final question, and it doesn't have to do with the alchemist. It's sort of a fun, creative question. So you kind of have to uh, switch gears a little bit. But I've been, I started to ask all my guests this, and I'm really fascinated by the answers. So final question is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? All right. I, right away, as soon as it came out of your mouth, I had an answer. But I don't think that answer is going to work for people that hear it. So right now I have to choose something else. Man, you got me. You got me really interested to know what that first answer is, Kachwa. <laughs> I'm not gonna say. It. All right. But you know, I already have that superpower, so that's one thing. But if I could have one superpower that I don't have right now, what it would it be? Okay, here's something. If I had a, one superpower. That would be to remove people's misery, mm. discomfort. If I had one superpower, it was mine. I could do it. I could do whatever the hell I wanted to do with it. That would be to remove heartache and misery and discomfort from everyone's life mm. that sought that. That would be my superpower. That's a good answer. Reminds me of uh, the main character in, uh, what was it, The Green Mile? I think he was able to like suck out the misery of people, but then he was able to give it to someone else. <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit different. I love yeah, The yeah. Green Mile, too. That was, a, that, was a hard, that was a hard watch. Man. Yeah. I, th I think that answer comes from when I was a little kid and I was in school. I'll never forget this if we have time for this. Yeah. <clears throat> My teacher asked everybody, Little Jimmy, what do you want to be when you grow up? And little Jimmy says, I want to be a basketball player. I want to be a football player. I want to be a hockey star. Mm -hmm. And then Beth says, you know, I want to be a cheerleader. I want to be a movie star. And then, you know, Hakeem says, listen, I want to be an entertainer. I want to be a rapper. Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> My answer was, and it's funny because everybody laughed at me in the class, including the teacher. I said, I want to be an 80-year-old man. <laughs> I want to be an 80-year-old man. And that, once they stopped laughing, the teacher said, why do you want to be an 80-year-old man? I said, because he knows everything. You're a deep kid. So I think back to that day and the symbolism behind that. And I think that that answer that I gave to the teacher is equally as relevant to the question that you had, just to help others. You know what I'm saying you know everything, not to sit on what you know and say, Hey, this is great, this is a great feeling. Like, like the Twilight Zone, the guy who loved to read books, and he read so many books, and then all of a sudden, he broke his fucking glasses, right? And he can't read anything, <laughs> right? No, but I'm saying I'd like to know everything so that I can help others with their, uh, with their lives. And I love how your superpower to remove people's misery I mean, you're, you're, you're pursuing that, you know, it's kind of what your whole business is about. So I think right. that's uh, you're in pursuit right. of that superpower and, and living it. So very cool. Yeah. And before this, it was the same thing. I was I was helping people in another in another way. Different manifestations, but the same one thing. Same, same thing. thing. Right. Yep. People wanted to follow you online, shop at your store or website. Where can they go about doing that? Yeah, we're on IG and it's real simple. We're at Healing Nature underscore for Jefferson. That's healing nature underscore for Jefferson. Um, you can interact with us there, me and myself and Kim as well. We have an online store as well for those who are not in the media area. And, you know, if you're in, in Port Jefferson, just drop by. Even if you don't want to buy anything, just drop by and let's have a conversation. 
let's talk shit. Let's have a fun time. That's it. You know, that's what I say. I recommend people do that too. That's how I first met Godrewar and invited you on the, on the podcast. So I definitely recommend people to do that. Come down. Healing nature is the place. We deal with medicinal herbs, healing herbs. And uh, we do a lot more than that. That's how you can get in contact with us. But I want to say this, man. Follow your, your life's desire to the very end. Even though there's turns and twists and booby traps and snares, you must follow your life goal to its end, no matter what it is. And the biggest thing is this. Know this. Once you understand this concept, life changes. And I've said it you know, a couple of times already in this interview, but how you feel must show up in your life as an experience. That's the law. It will always happen that way. If you're happy, you're going to look around, you're going to see things that express that happiness. If you're sad and doubtful or confused, you're going to look around, you're going to see experiences that reflect that as well. So how you feel must always show up in your life as an experience. You're in control. That's what I want to say to people. Well, thank you so much for your insights, Gajwar. Thank you for sharing your story and your thoughts on The Alchemist. And thank you for coming on the Story King podcast. You got it, man. I am The Alchemist. So that was my conversation with Gajwar Siafu about the awesomeness of The Alchemist. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you're in the Port Jefferson area, you definitely want to go to Healing Nature, buy some herbs from Gajuar, and you'll have an awesome conversation, I'm sure. I'll make sure his links are in the show notes. Don't forget to check out storykingbooks.com, sign up with your email and get a free copy of Launcher Podcast Like a Pro. Also, you can follow us on Instagram. The username is storyking.podcast. I post weekly short stories, writing tips, and quotes from famous authors. You don't want to miss that. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash storykingpodcast. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing with this show, please consider becoming a patron. You can choose a monthly membership tier at www.patreon.com forward slash the story king all those links i just mentioned will be in the show notes one more thing if you're enjoying this podcast please do me the favor of sharing the show with your friends and on social media subscribing to it and leaving a positive review on itunes spotify anywhere you get your podcasts i would greatly appreciate it thank you for listening to the story king podcast the show all about fiction film and form please join us next time until then 